What's up, everyone? Welcome to Audiobooks from Hell. Back from a fucking 2020 hiatus. <laughs> I'm your host, Sean DeRager, uh, audiobook narrator and all around, I guess, goofball and lover of all things horror and genre related. Uh, thanks for uh, being patient. I've been wanting to get back into this and I uh, finally said, What the hell? And I, you know, I sent a good old A.S. Coomer a message. And he's down. So welcome to the podcast, A.S. Coomer. What's up, man? Yeah, thanks for having me, Sean. I'm always down. Down. Down to Skype and chat about random shit. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, uh, it, it's a. I mean, it, it's been a pleasure kind of getting to know you through narrating your books. I remember when I first kind of you first fell into my radar, I was um, at the time kind of perusing through acx.com, which is what I use to kind of book um, audiobooks, gigs, and uh, you upload those for Audible and, and all that stuff. And I saw the cover for The Fetishists, and I was like, holy shit, that's my jam. <laughs> so yeah. I, hope, I hope the book is good. And uh, I did the audition, and the audition was really fun. I loved the style of it. It's very stylized, uh, the way you wrote in that one. And... Um, and yeah, and then uh, you somehow liked what I did, and uh, the rest is history, as they say. And that was kind of yeah. one of my early audiobooks. Yeah, man, you did a great job. It's funny. It's funny being an artist, you know, someone in the performance arts and things like that. Um, and I'm sure you're the same way. When someone says you did a great job, in the back of my mind, there's always that voice going, "You sucked, man." Does that happen to yeah. you? Yeah, man. It's kind of like. Uh... <laughs> Like back in the days when I played punk rock and stuff, we'd finish a gig and, you know, we'd feel terrible about it and you'd hear, great set, bro. <laughs> you know, <all> that. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, and, and I get and I get that way, especially even with my the, the earlier stuff that I did, because I've learned a lot since then. I've learned um, that I'm not I don't need to project and I can just talk regular. But um, but that book, man, that was um, that it was like a the fetishist is like a crazy kind of torture porn ride through hell and i loved that it was brief um i i read it i think i read it on the treadmill <laughs> oh man um I, I i mean i read through that thing super fast when i was prepping it and um and it's just it's it's a it's a brutal crazy fucked up um nothing ties together at the end which i love ambiguity um in my storytelling and uh it's funny because all the negative reviews I read in the book when I was prepping it, and then even when the audiobook came out, it's like, those are all the things I liked about it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what was the yeah. inspiration for... I guess, yeah, let's start here. We'll talk about music in a second, but what was your inspiration for the fetishes, especially? Since well, that was my first uh, introduction to you. Yeah, it was a crazy little book. I wrote it in <laughs> about four, four weeks. I had a LASIK eye surgery. And um, I couldn't drive or go anywhere, and I was recovering from it. And I was just taking these long, ambling walks out in the country in uh, rural Hardin County. And um, I passed this house that had been abandoned for a while. And I, out of nowhere, I just had the idea for this house out in the middle of nowhere where there's a, a sex auction. And um, I kind of wanted to deal with America's worship of power and dominance with that book. So I kind of wanted to take somebody that was really stuck up, really uh, – focused on themselves only and it reversed their situation in the worst possible way I could. <laughs> and, and the cover, the cover was actually really cool too. Um, Matthew Rebert from Australia did that. Nice. I think he did a really good job. 
Yeah, and and I I don't know. I think because and this was through Grindhouse. Um, is it publishing? There's Grindhouse a, Press. Press. Yeah, because there's like there's Grindhouse releasing, which is a blue Blu-ray <laughs> movies. Yeah. Um, there there might be a couple other Grindhouse things, but they do a fantastic job. Um, as well, with with all their kind of their art and their marketing. Um. They kind of, you know what you're going to get when you buy a, a Grindhouse press book for sure. Um, and yeah, and, th- and that's what I, I loved about the fetishists was that this guy, the main character was not a good guy. And, um, right. and I, and I tried to make that, I mean, I made that evident in my narration and then some people would be like, I didn't like the, I didn't like the main character. I just couldn't, <laughs> I didn't like him. I'm like, you're not yeah, supposed to, this is horror people. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's gray areas all the way around, but a lot of the times your main characters aren't good people. <laughs> you know, I mean, I try not to read the reviews just because it seems like so many knuckleheads don't get it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, they think the fetishist is straight out and out torture porn. You know, like they think I wrote it just to get off on it, and that's not <laughs> the case at all. <laughs> Definitely, and and as with most good horror, there is you know there is an underlying. You know, not necessarily a uh, in-your-face message, but there is your com. There's a lot of there's social commentary in there, and uh, and, right. and, and and all the stuff that you've done, the horror stuff, um, especially the two that I've narrated, um, the Devil's Gospel and the Fetishist. There's a lot of social commentary on um, on religion, kind of groupthink, um, and just how you know, just how people, you know, the dark side of people does, you know, does simmer and does come to the surface. Um, and, you know, but that's not the only, I mean, that's not all you write about too. I mean, you, you have, um, uh, shining the light and then, um, um, what's the other one that you self narrated yourself? Oh, memorabilia. Memorabilia. Um, and you have those, so there's other, there's other sides to everything, but, um, I want to come back around. I want to talk devil's, uh, the devil's gospel, uh, in a second, but, um, I, I want to kind of you know, dive back as we did mention, you know, you're in punk bands and you, you do, um, quite a bit of music. And you, you posted that, that your wife and you and your wife went to some, you know, cabin and recorded just recently. So what, I mean, what, what came first, the, uh, musician or the, uh, or the, or the author? The writer definitely came, came first. Yeah. I, uh, when I was, in fifth grade, my family, we moved from like this subdivision situation out into the middle of nowhere. Like, I thought out into this little community called white mills. And like, so I didn't have neighbor kids to go shoot basketball with or whatever. So I, I took to skateboarding and I took to reading. Um, and reading is really like how I developed all my friends. I still call my books, my friends, you know, they're, <laughs> they're the tried and true they'll always be there for me kind of mm-hmm. friends. Definitely. I mean, um, and and did you start just like writing kind of short stories uh, as most people? When when did you decide like I'm going to tackle the novel or even the novella? Uh, I mean, I've always wrote like um, whether it's poetry or like I'd make make stories up. Um, so I've always did that. Uh, but with novels, the the first time I, I wanted to play with a long form fiction, I had an idea for a story that I couldn't tell in six thousand words. So I was like, I don't, I don't really know how to write a novel. So I had to kind of <laughs> set myself up for the process. Yeah. I kind of looked at, you know, to make this thing, what, what needs to happen. So since, since then, I, my whole way I approach each novel is I, I have a daily word quota and I have a loose outline of where I'm going. Um, and I started that with the first book. 
really trying to fall in and I've done it ever since. And it's, it's been, it's helped me stay productive. Right. And, and that's the thing that I'm, I'm curious about because I, you know, I have dabbled in writing and I always, I, in high school, I thought I was going to be a writer. Like that was something that I was actually looking to possibly doing and it never shook out and I haven't written in years. And for me, it's the same thing with kind of drawing and, and art. Um, and I'm trying to kind of get that back and I yeah. do, and I, I, I'm like, I would love to someday tackle a novel, but, um, I always kind of get scared when I start thinking of like the preparation and outlining. Cause I'm awful. I'm absolutely awful at any sort of like organization <laughs> when it comes yeah. to, and that's why like, that's why I like narrating a book. So I'm like, well, it's there. I need to make some notes. Yes. But, uh, someone else has done like the really hard work for me. <laughs> Yeah. I always keep like a really loose outline. I like to leave room for go, going wherever the story goes. And a lot of times I'll end up, end up having to go back to the outline, which I always consider a working outline and make changes as I write. Yeah. And that seems to be the case, I think, with most authors that I've I've spoken with. And it's kind of helped diminish the fear of, of me doing it. And I'm like, I could do loose outline, um, just like even yeah, with... With, with acting and stuff, I've always loved um, kind of sketch comedy and um, and improv as kind of my forms of, yeah. you know, how I like being creative. And uh, when it's too, when there's too strict of a, of a path, I always end up going off the path. Even when I was in scripted plays mm-hmm. when I was in high school, I guess it's just kind of yeah. my, uh, my personality, I guess. Um, no, I got a little bit of that in me too. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, so so the music, so you 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 started picking that up uh, just kind of naturally or like organically with everything, just being an artistic type person. Like when did that start coming into play? Well, I think uh, I think I got a guitar from a neighbor. Uh, my dad bought a guitar, old Japanese guitar, off a neighbor for like twenty bucks, and I, I carried that thing around and always thought it looked cool, but I never really <laughs> started playing until late in high school or so. Uh, and then, like, naturally, like, I didn't want to just do what other people did. I wanted to make something. So this whole songwriting kind of came naturally. Most of my uh, early work up to this point has been narrative-based writing. Um, you know, the, all the songs are story songs. I'm just now starting to branch out into more, you know, poem-related songs or songs that are more ambiguous. Sorry, you cut out there. You said, you said uh, ambiguous? Oh, yeah. I'm trying yeah. to work on more songs. uh that aren't necessarily telling a, a story that goes from A to B to C. Yeah. I like the idea. I like the idea of experimentation these days. I've been making a lot of ambient tunes, uh, these freeform pieces that may or may not resolve towards the end. Um, they're running a whole bunch of synthesizers and guitars at each other and seeing what happens. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's. Um, I've dabbled in songwriting, songwriting myself. And, um, a friend of mine that I write with, he is the more poetic kind of ambiguous writer. And I've always kind of been the, uh, I guess the storyteller writer. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's almost, it's, it's a weird, uh, conundrum when you're working two people like that working together. What's, uh, what kind of, I mean, does your, does your wife write as well? Or what, what did you guys do out there in, out there in the woods? No, she doesn't write. Um, <laughs> uh, so, like most of the songs that are going to be on that this re- this recording, it's called the Old Fort Sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote uh, three or four of them for this book I'm working on now about uh, a musician who gets gifted a haunted guitar. 
Uh, so, I'll, so most of those songs I've been writing as I've been writing. Okay. Uh, and so we wanted to get away for a few days, so we booked uh, this little cabin out in the Pisgah National Forest, all up to it, all off to itself. And I uh, just set up a couple mics, and we played through a couple of those songs that I wrote for the book I'm working on now, and then we played some of the other new songs that I've been carrying around too. That's awesome. Was that? Uh, was that? Did it kind of work out? But just being out there uh, by yourselves with it with all this that yeah it was it was you know there's no traffic we were out on yeah. a little forest road um we had all the windows open there was a little creek that went by our house and we tried to capture all that on the sounds we just awesome. set up two mics and played the songs straight through live with no overdubs just as they were awesome very cool i'm in i'm in southern california so finding uh, somewhere where we don't hear traffic is uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a challenge. Yeah. You, I mean, we can we can go up to the mountains about an hour away, but uh, you know, even just in my backyard, it's like there's you always will hear something for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you live in Kentucky, is that correct? Yep. And um, that's right. And and that's why I thought it was pretty interesting that you chose me because I I don't I mean I don't have any sort of accent, and I kind of get scared when I um am required to do an accent because I'm always like, well, I don't want to, because I've watched way too many movies, so um, I'm going to go stereotype sometimes, you know? So the whole challenge yeah. for me has always been like, I don't want to go, I don't want to go to the stereotypical route, but then again, I'm informed by movies and by things and I don't, you know, I haven't lived out there. And, and one of the notes you wrote, and I think it was in The Devil's Gospel, audition was you were like please no twangy <laughs> southern yeah. accents <laughs> yeah you know and i was like uh, i'll go ahead buddy i didn't mean no, to cut you off no it's all good and so now what kind of spurred that on i mean and um, and thankfully i think my accents have been okay you haven't complained or either you're a really nice guy or i did no catch up <laughs> but what, job, what kind man. of what kind of spurred that on um as far you know because I, I i get it you know um but did you get a bunch of auditions or what happened with that? Uh, you know, it's just one of those things. Being from Kentucky, uh, we hear we were like the brunt of all the jokes, you know, right. for the state. And like in every movie that I've ever seen, nobody has portrayed a true southern accent correctly. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's not something that we try to do. And I think when people force stuff like that, it's it just ends up being kind of hokey, you know. Right. Because you and I talking right now, like I don't I wouldn't tell if you were from Kentucky or not. I don't, you know. Yeah. So my accent comes and goes. Uh, <laughs> it really depends on the level of inebriation sometimes. <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> I, I found that when I lived in Oklahoma, I kind of developed a little slight, and I didn't realize I was doing it, but a slight kind of Oklahoma accent, which is kind of a very subtle kind of Southern accent. Yeah. I mean when we lived up in Toledo, Ohio, my wife totally took on that northern accent. I had to keep telling her, I'm like, it's not, you know, like you can't, can't, can't be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's interesting uh, as human beings how we kind of, we will assimilate a little bit where, wherever we're at. Um, it's unavoidable, really. Yeah. What are some of the worst portrayals of like a Kentucky southern accent that you, that are fresh in your mind? Oh man, I got nothing fresh in my mind right now. <laughs> Try to avoid all those, you know. <laughs> I think everyone tries to go to like Deliverance, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, like hill, the hillbilly, the backwoods, yeah, you hills know? have eyes, kind of thing. Yeah, you know, whether hey, you see something out there, you know, like that kind of that kind of yeah. thing. Um, 
And uh, and I think it, you know, in certain storytelling, I think it can, you know, if they're like for sure, like th- these are these people are hillbillies. Uh, I'm, you know, that makes sense. But um, sorry, I thought someone was knocking on my door. Oh, I'm going crazy, and I haven't even had any drugs yet today. I kind of um, had that influence on people. I think. <laughs> um. What was I saying? But uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, I I can I can see why people do it because of because of how you know, um, all the kind of backwoods horror that has um you know come through, uh, the, you know, since the seventies even you know because you have um, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, um, yeah, those those types of characters. Um, what speaking of of horror and and, and genre and stuff, what kind of influences your you know, taste in horror. What, what, what molded that? Uh, I've always been a fan of anything transgressive really. Uh, and horror is kind of like the rock and roll of literature. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, it's kind of been like, there's no rules in it. You know, you can say and do and, and whatever you want, you know, to tell a story. Mm-hmm. And so that's always, it's always kind of drawn me in. Yeah. I mean, I, I find that, um, horror especially in these, these days, um, horror is one of those genres that, well, I guess it always has been, it's always been kind of blamed for stuff. Um, it's always, yeah. uh, it's always like talk was talked about in mainstream circles, kind of whispered about, and only like the only things that really make it big are like ghost stories, hauntings, things like that. But the real, but what you're talking about, like the real transgressive horror, like the splatter punk type stuff, mm. um, Stuff that like Brian Smith, or I've been talking to Brian Smith a lot lately because I'm pr- I'm preparing yeah. to do 68 Kill, um, oh, cool. this fall, um, one and two, which 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 will be fun. And but hit in his writing style, because I did Kill for Satan as well. He's so that he's was very. Was that? That was a really fun book. Oh Kill man, for Satan. Oh my god, <laughs> I I'm we're I'm gonna be having him on the show soon to talk about it. But that was probably one of the funnest times I burned through it narrating it just because the style was like a B movie. Um, just like, it was like everything. It was like, I started reading it and I was like, I'm like, I, I was born for this. <laughs> like, this is like <laughs> all the eighties movies. I wasn't allowed to watch in a short little yeah. book. Um, yeah. But I find that I find that horror, like the transgressive stuff, you know, some people like the mainstream audiences don't, and I hate using the word mainstream these days because of, uh, I almost like, you know, mainstream media. Yeah. Um, but I find that, you know, kind of your casual horror reader or viewer, um, they're, the transgressive stuff is going to offend. And um, I've talked about this with, with Lucas Mangum as well, because he writes a lot of um, transgressive stuff that you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe, you know, you would write about that sort of thing. What are you thinking? Are you really a crazy madman? Are you really like... and um, like, what are your thoughts on on that? I mean, because, you know, before we started the show, we were talking about about Marilyn Manson and, and you know, all the stuff that is in the news right now about him. Um, so there's like there's like this weird blend, right, with horror and things like that and music and rock and roll where the, there's the image, but then there's the personal life. Um, but the image and the storytelling, it's supposed to be shocking. It's supposed to be, you know, you're supposed to be offensive. Um, do you think there's a line with how you write? What What are your thoughts on kind of the horror genre in general when you get past like ghost stories? Is there is that is that anything goes? Oh yeah, I'm a I'm a fan of put it all on the table. Uh, 
of course, I'm a guy. There's there's a story though. You know, I don't exactly. I don't want to write torture scenes just because I want to make people squirm. Exactly. I, I, I genuinely enjoy telling stories. That's why yeah. I'm a writer. Um, then I, I can dress them up however I want to. I can I can write in pretty much any genre that I want to because I get bored so easily. But <laughs> horror, I always I keep going back to just because it just feels so right. Mm-hmm. I I find that with um with my narration when I narrate a certain genre, I just love narrating horror. I don't know what it is. I can do it easily. I can rock through those books. Fa- I I record the books faster. I'm doing a, a sci-fi book right now. Really cool book, really good writing. Um, but man, I'm I'm like just chugging, I'm just slogging through it. But yeah. like horror, uh, for some reason, there's something about the writing style or I don't know what it is. Or maybe it's just my brain is just fucked up. Maybe <laughs> that's it. Well, not just, enough decapitations in this science fiction book right now. I need, I need well, some... You know, horror is just so much damn fun, man. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like uh, there's always that, that heart-pounding moment. There's always the shock value. Um, it's everything you want from a heavy metal band and you get to read it and make your own heavy metal band in your head, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, um, that's funny that, that, that totally works. I mean, it, it does work that, uh, that, that, that horror is the rock is and rock and roll do go together. I even was kind of thinking out loud the other day about, you know, heavy metal and, you know, horror cinema um, and then somebody had mentioned that, you know, Ozzy Osbourne, when they were naming the band Black Sabbath, um, they, there was a, he was, a, they're in New York and the movie, I think there's the movie Black Sabbath was out um, by, I'm going to lose my horror cred right now. <laughs> um, oh God. Um, Bava, that's what it was. Um, the movie Black Sabbath by you know bava was in a theater or there was a big long line getting in the theater and they were like i could be messing up this whole story <laughs> but basically um that inspired the band name for ozzy osbourne and kind of how they you know how they went going forward um so there is a there is a blend with all that and see this is what happens when i don't have a script i don't have uh, questions in front of me i just start rambling and uh and that's okay that's why that's why this podcast is here <laughs> But um, yeah, I don't know where I was going at all with any of that. But um, <laughs> but you know, you know, um, where was I going? Yeah. Uh, speaking of Lucas Mangum, I really enjoyed his Saint Satanist <laughs> book. That was a lot of fun. Yes. Okay. Here's where I was going, and that you that actually helps. That actually helps uh, because you know Saint Satanist is one of those books that is that could be offensive on so many levels because of the yep. the, the storytelling things that happen in the book. Um, but like you said, there's a story and yeah. if there's just a bunch of mayhem and I've seen the books, a bunch of mayhem and gore and everything with like zero story. Um, yeah. I've been like, yeah, I'm not going to, I don't want to narrate that. Um, there, it's just like, there's no, if there's no point to, if there's no point for the suffering that's happening on page, if there's no point for dragging characters through certain scenarios certain scenarios dying it's just it it all is worthless and it's the same it is the same thing with with film as well because i you know i'm a huge horror movie buff and um i like the movies that generally tell a story um so this brings me to the devil's gospel and i had you know some feedback i'm like well it wasn't scary it wasn't scary and i was like no well there it's telling it is telling a story um that is sprinkled with some violence, but 
you're missing the point. Um, so let's let's jump into talking about the Devil's Gospel because I <clears throat> I really enjoyed that book and I and I appreciated the fact that it wasn't it it went places that I couldn't um, I would didn't expect them to go. Um, it resolves itself in uh, somewhat somewhat of an unconventional way, where you expect there to be the confrontation between. And I don't want to spoil anything between you know bad the the bad guy and the good guy, right? Um, it kind of yeah. goes in a different direction. Um, what kind of spurred the devil's gospel? Because I and I love the, um, I love what you that you use religion to kind of prop it up too, especially kind of this this kind of uh, you know uh, messed up version of even more messed up than regular fundamentalist Christianity. Christianity. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> It's like a fucked up version of that, even. Yeah, that book came from uh, first. Uh, first of all, my love for the Red River Gorge in Kentucky. I grew up camping and hiking the place, and there's all kinds of neat stuff there, like the white-haired goldenrod, which serves as a big catalyst in the book. Uh, that's a real thing. It is endemic only there. And the second thing is, is that religious cults and then like dogmatic religion in general has always fascinated me. Um, I've never been able to just like buy in the way people can, but I've always been fascinated to watch what people will do, how they will act, and who they will be when under these, uh, you know, when they're all drunk on whatever religion they're on. Uh, so I really wanted to play around with with straight-up American Christianity in in a, in a fun way, and that way I did it was a J.J. Khan. He ended up coming up out of that. Nice. Yeah, I mean, it was... It was uh... It's pretty interesting narrating that during, you know, this last year <laughs> where <laughs> we kind of saw that we've been seeing that kind of bubble to the surface, I think, even more for the past over the past four years. And I thought it was a very clever way to kind of bring that type of um, of uh, sh- showing this kind of you know cult and people's fascination with these leaders um, and, and yeah. why they may be fascinated with them. And even, even though he's a awful person, the there's still something about JJ Khan in this book that people are still kind of attracted to. Um, yeah. So it was, it was pretty fascinating narrating this book uh, during that time. Cause you wrote this, uh, well, it came out two years ago, right? Oh uh, Yeah. Roundabout. Time is a weird thing for me these days. I know it's uh, <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but but like like I said, the the past four years, I think I've seen that happen more, and um, I think that our society and people who are kind of more on the free thinking side of things are noticing that more. Um, like with this whole QN on thing and everything. Um, it's, it's just people it's such just relit. I'll go ahead, buddy. I no, mean to no, cut you off. no. It's just, uh, it's it's a fascinating thing that I can't really figure out why. Because my, my wife and I have had a lot of the, a lot of these conversations. I'm like, why? Because we've had friends who just went off the deep end. Like, we're like yeah, what is going on? <laughs> People will use religion to justify anything. Mm-hmm. anything under the sun people will find a way to justify it with religion and that's a, i mean that's something i keep going back to in my writing like not even meaning to it's just mm-hmm. so fucking 
It's so fucking fascinating to me. Like, I got this book coming out in April through Grindhouse Press called Birth of a Monster. And it kind of, it touches on how in America we worship violence. And we also can justify it with religion. And so it's kind of the perfect breeding ground for these serial killers. We breed them more than any other country in the world. I mean, they, they have them, but nobody has them to the extreme that America does. Well, and and just how the news cycle will just... Uh... I mean, yeah, our, our American society, you know, I mean, look at, it just feeds off it. I mean, look at all of the, the true crime podcasts, the true crime docuseries on Netflix, yep. um, you know, all this, all this stuff we are, you know, and as, and it must be an American thing. I mean, I think, I think, you know, humans, as humans, we've always kind of had that. Why? I mean, if you look at the, you know, the ancient, ancient Romans, the Coliseum and things like that. I mean, there's always been, it's been there, but, um, in modern society, yeah, I think Americans most likely are more than other countries are, uh, wired that way. It is. And I, you know, and it's just fascinating to kind of watch this kind of unfold because I think social media, I maybe we're more in tune to it. We see it more, Yeah. but, um, but no, you're absolutely right. I mean, and all, I mean, Oliver Stone even, I need to go back and watch Natural Born Killers now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so me I'm like, too. I'm like, Oliver Stone was t- kind of touching on something here. More than yeah. I think we uh, realize. Yeah, I need to watch that movie again, too. <laughs> yeah, I can't, wait to, uh, I can't wait to dive into Birth of a Monster. I'll be... Um, I'm scheduled to narrate that in starting in December maybe January of 2022. Um, I'm trying to kind of get to it sooner, so we'll see, but, uh, um, yeah, there's certain, there's certain it'll authors. You- well, uh, you know, that's Go the ahead. thing I, I saw, like, it's like, it'll be, it'll be 22 hours. I was like, Oh my God, this is like the <laughs> longest book. <laughs> He's, we go from like a short as hell book with the fetishists to yeah. like, you know, 22 hour book, but I'm, 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 I'm so excited to, to read it. You know so. the story kind of dictates however long something's going to be, but with the uh, birth <laughs> with birth of a monster, I wrote it was, it was two books. Um, there was the first one called In Utero, and the second one was going to be Birth of a Monster, but we decided to combine them into one book. Uh, so and that's that's why it's going to be so big. Yeah, why'd you guys decide to do that? Because um, there's a book series that I'm doing, a dark fantasy that he actually had one of the books. It was called um, Chaos Reigns. And it was going to be one book, but he split it into two books. Um, why did you Why did you guys go the route of maybe this works more as one book? I kind of when I finished it, um, the first book had a resolution, but I thought combined with the second book, um, it worked better than having. I, I think it flows better as one book than it would as two. Huh. Uh, I think it needs to be read back to back. I don't think there needs to be any books read in between. I think. To, to get the full message of what's happening in that book, mm-hmm. you need to read it all. Okay, so they're so they are they're still kind of you just put them together. You didn't do some like weaving in and out like like in Stephen King's it. Now he weaves in and out of modern, you know, characters as grown ups and then the kids story. You didn't do any sort of weaving like that. You just no, no. It's a continuous kinda, tale. Um, okay, it's just a, there's a segment of time that that needs to pass. So uh, combining them in book one and book two, but as one big entity, I think it, it worked out more effectively that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't wait to read it. Um, 
let's let's talk about let's let's talk about uh let's talk about shining the light cuz that okay. one I think I'm I'm prepping it right now to narrate it and um so I've been doing like your horror stuff right so yeah. shining the light is like um it's like a it's like a music documentary in written form kind of uh about this uh, fictional musician let's tell me a little bit the the impetus of uh of shining the light because i love i love that idea and what i've read so far absolutely i have no idea how the fuck i'm going to narrate it but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but i'm excited to give it a try <laughs> man you know I've, I've i really enjoyed rock and roll and music biographies my whole life mm-hmm. um I, i've always loved watching the documentaries on everybody uh, especially bob dylan and people like that and the, the idea of the, the traveling tortured troubadour um has been around for a while but it's always been something that i've wanted to put my spin on and mm-hmm. so i took i took a, like an amalgamation of people like jason molina and hank williams bob dylan bonnie prince billy lead belly robert johnson woody guthrie these kind of people and kind of smashed them all together and made made my own mythos on this this made up character uh homer and tumbra very nice um and and you wrote it like different interviews, yep. With with different people, so I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to ask you. All right, uh, these sections. Who are you thinking of? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, like the idea of writing a fictional biography, which is really alluring to me. To make uh-huh. it as as to, when as soon as you open up, that's a that's a fucking biography on Homer and Tumbra. You know, it does, yeah. not as, it doesn't read like a novel, but it is. Yeah, it's that's what's great. Like it feels it feels complete. It's completely realized as like this biography of this guy that we've never, you know, we have no idea, you know, we've never even heard, you know, and like but, I even at the end of it, I even included his discography. Uh, you'll see at the end, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's funny. Cause like every time somebody reads that book, they ask me if I wrote any of the songs. And for that book, uh, I really didn't, I had song ideas, but I didn't write them out. But for the book I'm working on now, I'm actually writing the songs and I plan on including a song book with chords at the end of the book. Awesome. Awesome. That'll, that'll be fun for the audiobook for that version. Of that. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and it's funny because it's like, but, but it kind of makes sense because this guy Homer, he's supposed to be like this myth. Like it's, it, I mean, is it, is that almost too much pressure <laughs> for you to come up with songs? Like these have to be like mythic. <laughs> no, I mean for that book, like I thought, um, it was that one was kind of like a, a study in it. Like I didn't mm-hmm. think the songs would really. I think they would have detracted from the way the story is. Okay. I think kind of pa- painting the general idea of these concept albums that Homer mm-hmm. and Tumber writes uh, was more effective than actually writing up the songs and including them. Whereas with the story I'm writing now, uh, the songs are almost kind of topical, touching on stuff that's happening. And so, like I actually wrote them out, and I think they'll be beneficial to have written completely in the book. Nice. That's fun. And and that's and that I think that's what you bring to the table as an author that I don't see a lot of other authors doing is you have this background with music. You you're a write you're a writer both you're a writer and a musician. And um I love that that what I love what that brings together because that doesn't have I don't made I don't I'm not thinking of anybody off the top of my head, but I don't see that happen a lot. And there's like there's almost so much you can do as a storyteller. You're like, "Well, what what format does this story, what, what format can I use to tell the story? You have, you know, a, a few different options. Do you think about that when you're thinking up story ideas or, or you just kind of let it play out naturally? 
Oh, it usually kind of presents itself uh, once you really start getting going. Like you'll have the idea and then you kind of I have ideas for the way I want to tell a story. But then once I actually get to the, the the computer and I put my fingers on the keys, like it usually comes out the way it needs to come out. I don't mm-hmm. I don't try not to force it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's good. I mean, I- another musician that writes uh, who's done pretty well, Steve Earl. Steve Earl wrote a pretty oh, okay. cool. He wrote a novel called uh, I'll Never Get Out of This World Alive. And it was it was real interesting. Uh, the ghost of Hank Williams haunts this uh, backdoor abortionist. Oh, it's, man. it's pretty good. Wow, I have to check that out. Well, you look at you look at Steve Rolls' picture here. I just pulled him up. I'm like, yeah, he's a musician. <laughs> <laughs> there's no telling. Yeah. There's, there's there's no question. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, Steve same, thing, same thing with you. I see your picture. I'm like, oh yeah, of course it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've been called a homeless Jesus before too, so uh, I like to better. Yeah, 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 homeless Jesus. But Jesus was homeless, though. I mean, that's yep. true. So, I mean, yep. yeah, <laughs> yeah. If Jesus existed, um, and was white, <laughs> and, and was white. <laughs> yes, it's such an American concept, isn't it? Like, oh yeah, Jesus is totally white. He looks like yeah. Kenny Loggins, right? <laughs> he doesn't look like Kenny, Lo- Kenny Loggins. What are you talking about? or or uh oh my god um anyway um this is gonna i haven't i had another podcast called the armchair philosopher this this episode's kind of you know can can hit either or either or with the the podcast maybe i'll release on both feeds just for the fuck of it um double the pleasure double the fun yeah yeah that way each each audience hears a discussion um no but i'm i'm you know from there's very few. I mean, I, I always, it's it's weird being like a narrator of an author's words. And I've me starting to do this. I always felt I'm like this is just a weird gig to do because I'm taking these words written down by someone else, and and a, mo- a lot of it is inspired by very personal things, um, and I'm just providing a voice for it. It's, it's always been kind of a weird. Um, just a weird dichotomy there. And, uh, I, I always am very, I want to make sure that I'm portraying the words properly. And that I feel like for narrators, that's a lot of trust to be put into us. And some, some do well, some, some miss it, you know? Um, so, but getting to know, you know, you through your writing and then, um, has been a very interesting, uh, journey and, um, you've be, you've become one of my favorite, you know, authors. So even, even if you're like, Sean, you suck, I'm going to get another narrator. I'd be like, great, fantastic. I'm going to buy the book and listen to the audiobook anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you're doing a great job with them. I'm really excited to have worked with you so often. Yeah. I think, uh, you, Lucas Mangum, so far the top two that I've worked with the most, um, GS Scott, I'm doing his trilogy, and then he's going to be doing another trilogy, Dark Fantasy, he wants me to do. It's been cool. It's been cool kind of like becoming friends with, you know, with really good authors, you know. And yeah. so for me, it's it's more, so for me, it's more than just spitting out someone's words. It's like, this is like really good shit. So <laughs> I don't want to, I don't, the last thing I want to do is, is mess all this up. So I take it very seriously. And me and Lucas Mangum are also in this uh, anthology that Grindhouse put together. Oh, yes. uh, D.B. Hunt's Horrorama. Um, yes. Matt, Har- Matt Harvey from Exhumed also wrote a novelette for it. Awesome. I, a- I, <laughs> Go ahead. 
I know I, I have it. I, I've been wanting to read it. It's sitting right there on my, uh, it's right there, right next to my couch on top, on, it, on top of my, uh, on top of my record player. <laughs> the, the layout for that book is really neat too. Um, it's set up like it's a old VHS sleeve mm-hmm. and, um, inside in between the stories are like these old TV guide cutouts that are like, you know, but it's, but it's about the stories that are in Horrorama. It's really neat and really well done. Very cool. Yeah. I definitely want to check out, um, Grindhouse Press rocking that one like nobody's business. Um, so you've worked with a few different publishers. I know Adelaidle is that Adelaidle, right? Adelaidle. That's a division, or that's split off from Grindhouse Press. But you and you've also done, is it eleven uh, eleven? Yep, they did memorabilia. Yes, memorabilia. Um, so you've you know what's see i'm looking at the time well we'll let's we'll close out we'll close out talking about memorabilia because that, that's a very personal book of yours and i want to chat about it but what's been your um experience working with these indie presses because the the whole indie press is so different than mm-hmm. like the top i don't even know how many you know these are like five like majors you know yeah um and but with the indies it's such just like with indie music man it's such it's such a fucking grind and, <laughs> you know, and, and as like a narrator, people keep saying, well, you need to ditch the indies, you need to work in the indies and you need to get to the majors. And I'm like, but the, ma- but the indie stuff is just so interesting, you know, and I see other narrators, you know, narrating, a, you know, the latest, uh, you know, werewolf, vampire, love triangle, and here's some abs on the cover or whatever, or <laughs> like... Oh, new lit RPG, uh, yeah. whatever, or, you know, and I'm just, you know. I, another coming of age vampire story. Another, yeah, another coming of age, uh, post-apocalyptic, uh, you know, romance, young adult. You know, I'm, I get very jaded with that, but, and that's what I loved about, you know, meeting authors like yourself and, and everything. Like, the, the writing is so interesting. Therefore, me being the narrator, it's even more interesting because I know that I'm getting some you know, some good stuff to narrate. Um, but it's, but it's such a grind. It is yeah, man. To, to make a living in this, on this stage. Um, what's your take on, on the independent stuff? I mean, we all want to make some money, but it's like, you almost have to sometimes, uh, not all the time. I mean, sometimes, you know, um, like Adam Caesar's doing, he's, he's blowing up and that's great. You know, I want, I want him to make money. <laughs> Um, what's your what's your take on all that? Is it is it stepping stones? Is it uh, you know? Yeah, uh, I'm hoping it's a snowball effect. Uh, I've decided to make this my full time thing about four years ago. Um, I've been working every day, you know, two thousand words and whatever book I'm writing every afternoon editing. Uh, I'm hoping it's the snowball effect and baby steps to something bigger. But you you never know. You just got to keep making the art and not think about anything anything other than that. At least yeah. that's my approach to it. Yeah, I mean, and a lot of people I've talked to, because I, I mean, I'm in the same boat. Is like it's it's a grind, and I I have a day job, so for me, um, the grind can get very frustrating. Um, we're trying to juggle things and make it work, juggle family, and but but yeah. really, you know, pursue what I love to do, and that is to tell. I love telling stories. I I would love to, you know, there's so much other stuff I want to do in this in this realm, but you know, there's only uh, so much time. Uh, only so much time, and. You know, you got a family guy, family to take care of, and, and all this stuff. But, um, yeah. But you know, someday, one of these days, one of these days before I die, <laughs> <laughs> I'll have at least a couple years of doing this full time. We'll see what happens. Um, so, 
ending on a more like a personal note here, let's talk about memorabilia because because um, you you narrated that one yourself. Um, yeah. What's memorabilia about? Is it? I don't. I have the audiobook. I'm wanting to listen to it, but I haven't listened to it. My audiobook listening is way down this year. Um, it's not horror. No, it's what's, not. What's memorabilia about? Tell me, tell me about it. Memorabilia, um, it came from kind of an existential crisis, thinking about, like, you know, I'm making all this shit, you know, whether it's writing or, or art or music, and, like, what what's really the point? Like, does anything come from it? Like, and I really wanted to try to define an artistic path for myself through a book. And so I, I wrote this book about how we take everything that is created and kind of turn it into trinkets or memorabilia. And the the story, I really wanted to mess with the narrative too. So like the line for line uh, narrative of the story breaks down as this character slowly loses his mind. Uh, so it was really a lot of things. I wanted to kind of play with like the lastingness of art, like, you know, uh, and also, uh, you know, like what, what that can do to you. <laughs> you know like what well, what it costs yeah know? well yeah i mean we're all giving a little piece of ourselves we're throwing it out you know into the ether <laughs> yeah. and hoping that some people listen or read or or um look at or watch or whatever you know the art the art that we're putting out and so many artists i mean you look at just even like the fine art like you know with paintings and things like you know um uh, you know, some art doesn't get popular or expensive until that artist dies. Uh, it's usually the way. It's usually the way it works, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So we're all kind of leaving these little, like, you know, um, ribbons on branches, you know, walking through this like this yeah. dense forest. We're all kind of leaving our mark and hoping that somebody eventually finds it. And you know, maybe someday, you know, if we make some money while we're doing it, great. But um, what we are creating, um, is going to be here as long as, and it, it, it's as long as it's out there, as long as people are able to find it. So it's very interesting. Uh, art has always been so, uh, fascinating to me. And that's why I love it so much, uh, is that, you know, artists, no matter what the medium you're, you're, uh, creating in, um, it's, that is going to be there long after you're gone. And it's, it's pretty, you know, pretty uh kind of a mind fuck to think about yeah <laughs> yeah I, I mean that was one of those books that i had to write i was going through some stuff and um the best way for me to go through some stuff is through art you know that's it's like when i'm going through something if i'm not making something i'm in a bad place i have to be, i have to be making something every day whether it's working in a novel or whether it's painting or writing a song or doing composing some ambient stuff, I have to be making something at all times. That's good. And that's, that's a, you know, that's a, that's a true artist is it's just kind of like, this is our kind of lifeblood. This is what keeps us going. You know, I always have something going on. I'm either, either as I'm doing my day job, have something like music playing, um, you know, a TV show going. So there's always, so art is fueling me through my day. Um, and I, I just, I'm one of those guys that like, I would love, you know, I can't wait to be doing more or, or helping yeah. or helping more art get created. I'm, I'm yeah. always been more of a collaborator. So I love just 
kind of bringing people together, bringing pieces of different art together, introducing artists to each other who can help each other out. That's yeah. That that shit's uh that's what gets me. You know, going back day. to the small press thing, there's a sense of community with the small mm-hmm. press that you you don't get with the bigger guys, you know. Yeah. Uh, and and a lot of small presses share, you know, they they yep. how they do stuff, uh, how to be a small press with integrity. A lot of people are really open to communicating that kind of thing. Like I even know like eleven eleven, Andrew Wilt even teaches a class on how to run a press, you know, like nice. There's a sense of camaraderie with the small press. Is that, yeah, and that's the same thing with like, um, you know, indie, uh, more of the independent film community. I see that with, because I have a lot of friends who boutique kind of Blu-ray labels that are bringing out kind of weird bonkers, you know, older flicks, and yeah. they all kind of help each other out too. Um, there's not a, technically not a sense of competition between, between the, there's certain respectable labels where they all help each other out and they all do well. And you'll have kind of the few outliers who just, you know, um, don't want to do that. And they, I, th- I think they kind of fizzle quickly. Yeah. And I think a lot of things, uh, well, one of the big truths that people need to realize is that art is not a competition. Yeah. You know, people get so trapped when these these things are like, well, my book is selling better than your book or my book is not <laughs> selling as much as your book or, or whatever the fuck is going on. But art is not a competition. Art mm-hmm. is an expression of self, you know, like, and I yeah. think need to keep going back to that sales figures does not indicate great art (laughs) you know like yeah it yeah i was gonna be cynical there but i'm not gonna gonna (laughs) like well you know if it makes a lot of money if it makes a ton of money maybe it's shit (laughs) (laughs) it's just shitty and is being uh consumed by by people who don't want to think too hard i don't know (laughs) that's like yeah that's my elitist (laughs) my elitist prank coming out uh we can we can all get that way, I guess. Uh, as artists, art critics, whatever we have, there's a sense of kind of <laughs> elitist snark. <laughs> yeah, tends to happen in these circles. Oh man, well I I think we're running out of time here, but um, but man, this is a great, this is a good conversation, good shit. I think yeah. we covered everything that I initially wanted to cover. Um, so that's good. I'm I'm winning. I'm winning today. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, um. Let's see here. What am I doing? Uh, 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 uh. Hold on. Here we go. Birth of a Monster. That's what I was looking for. Uh, Birth of a Monster. You can pre-order it now. Um, yep. 671 pages of transgressive horror for only yep. $4.99, everybody. Yep. Holy the book, shit. the paperback is going to be kind of on the hefty price side, but I hope that yeah. doesn't away it's gonna be like 25 bucks but it's 700 pages almost uh, yeah. it's a you can use it for a door stopper or you can defend, <laughs> defend yourself with it you know so here's what i do everybody here's the hack that i do okay i will generally um buy the paperback or the hardcover if that's available but i will also buy the kindle version because the kindle version is always so cheap and I, I don't know if it's any cheaper if you've bought in the physical copy but what i'm getting at here is the audiobook, then, if you've bought in the Kindle version, especially, I think, um, you get a discount on the audiobook. So you can oh, either, okay. use your, either use your credit for Audible for something for that, or buy the Kindle, so you have it to read if you want, and then for like half price, you can get the audiobook, or even cheaper. So that's kind of what I, I kind of buy all three formats if I can. 
just because yeah. I don't I don't know where I'll be and I'll, I'll if I'm I'll kind of bounce between it all. And the Kindle and Audible Whisper Sync is pretty fucking cool. I've never so, used it. It's awesome. You can be listening to the book, and then you're like, "Well, I, I'm I'm kind of tired of listening, so I'm gonna I'm gonna read." So you bring up the Kindle, you read, and then you okay, I'm done reading. And then you go back to the audiobook. Well, the audiobook will sync to where you left off reading on Kindle if you want it. Oh, to. that's cool. That's yeah, pretty awesome. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's a pretty <laughs> yeah. neat feature. Yeah. So I think I'm right. Um, pretty positive I'm right. I could be wrong too. As with this. Yeah. Any, anything I say, just take with a grain of salt. <laughs> that's what my wife says. I'll like say something that I think is true. I'm like, oh yeah, this, uh, this happened back in like uh, 1786. This uh, thing happened. Yeah. And she'll be like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty positive. And then I look it up and I'm like, I was wrong. I was completely wrong about that. Total bull. <laughs> I am full of shit. All right. Uh, well, A.S. Coomer, thank you so much for joining me on yeah. Audiobooks from Hell. And I uh, right. wish you all the best. And so everyone, pre-order, pre-order Birth of a Monster. Find his stuff. Buy all this shit. Buy the music. Please. If you want, listen to me read his stuff. I don't know. Whatever. But uh, You should. Yeah, you should do it, guys. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, good stuff all the way around. And uh, I love that you are uh, an artist, a uh, true artist in the sense where there's there's always something you're you're, you're working on. So that's fantastic. Um, all right, everybody, I'm going to be trying to make this podcast more of a, a uh, you know, steady thing. So uh, Matt Serafini will be coming on soon. Brian Smith Ooh. will be coming on soon. And, uh, but then I also need to find more ladies, um, to, to bring on just to try to keep things balanced. So, uh, yes. Yep. Yep. Um, interviewed her a while ago. She was one of my first interviews, which is great. I I had the same kind of thing happen where I was like, it's, I'm like, okay, so it's turning into a sausage, sausage party. Uh, I need, uh, I need a woman in here. (laughs) Yeah. So, but yeah, I'm looking for a, looking for a, look for a, a good, fun and diverse season of audiobooks from hell. And, uh, I guess I'll talk to all of you guys next time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you Sounds know. Good. Yeah. <laughs> but I do appreciate you having me, buddy. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs>